0: The day before Thanksgiving, where does the time go? Jeffrey Flanagan, that's who joins us today for the Royals podcast here on MLB.com. And uh, Jeffrey, we thank you as always for the time. Uh, What I want to do today is uh, I want to run down some guys on the uh, 2018 Hall of Fame ballots and some guys that wore uh, Royals uniforms for a number of years. And uh, chief among them, uh, Johnny Damon, uh, again, one of the many names on the 2018. Hall of Fame ballot, but a guy that's uh, not on next year's ballot but is going to be in five years' time is that of uh, Carlos Beltran. He recently announced his uh, retirement after finally getting that elusive World Series ring in his uh, 20th and final season with the uh, Houston Astros. And, of course, uh, when you look at Beltran's career, Jeffrey, uh, seven of the 20 seasons spent in a Kansas City uniform that is tied with the Mets for his uh, longest tenure of uh, any of the five teams that he played for during his two decade career. So I want to ask this question. First, Uh, you look at Beltran, you look at the, the body of work. Do you feel that he is one day a hall of famer?
1: I do. I I can't see a scenario where I don't vote for, I think, uh, he was just an all around, you know, great player, uh, especially in his prime. Um, When he was here in Kansas city, I got to know him very well. And, uh, I, I just thought, uh, you know, with a five-tool player, he could steal a base. He could, you know, triples, home runs, um, hit for average, get on base. Uh, and really, I, I'm trying to think of a center fielder. I mean, Lorenzo Cain, obviously a terrific center fielder that we've watched here uh, for the last several years, but I don't think I've ever seen anybody as smooth, uh, defensively as, as Beltran was in his prime. It just kind of just one of those guys who glided the ball and, uh, it'd have been interesting to see if we had had statcast way back then you know how good he was and uh i i just think uh i think he's a terrific ball player uh i think he's got the numbers uh, I, I do think he gets in
0: Uh, The 1999 AL Rookie of the Year way back when was uh, Carlos Beltran and uh, making his uh, big league debut with the Kansas City franchise. And, you know, Jeffrey, when you you look at prospects these days, you've got your guys that are, you know, they're hyped all the way up to the moon and maybe they fall a little bit short when they get to the major leagues. Then you've got guys on the other end of the spectrum that – maybe they're a bit under the radar and they surprise people when they get to the big league level. Then you got that, that third category that, you know, they definitely live up to the, uh, to the hype and they are every bit as good as a big leaguer as they were as a prospect down on the pipeline. So of those three designations, I guess, where would you have put Beltron back in 1999?
1: I, I thought, uh, was a can't miss prospect. Um, just because he had all the tools and, uh, he lived up to those expectations. Um, he was, uh, you know, Royals fans still remember him fondly, and, um, you know, he went on to have a great career elsewhere, too, and uh, he was just uh, just one of those prospects that we knew was coming up, and uh, uh, the organization hyped him as, as a can't-miss, and, and they were dead on.
0: Yeah, they certainly were, and I think, uh, you know, as good as he was in the, the regular season, he really made his bones uh, as a postseason presence, I believe, for his career, an OPS over 1,000 uh, in the postseason. Mm-hmm. That is uh, virtually unheard of. Yeah, I mean, we see so many guys that they, they get to the big stage and they, they shrink and they come up short. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beltron, no such worries. Uh, he was always clutch uh, in the postseason, and that is another uh, feather in his cap in his Hall of Fame candidacy. So, Jeffrey, I guess uh, question two is, you know, we're pretty much all in in agreement that one day he will be uh, inducted into Cooperstown. But again, um, it's hard to kind of identify him with with, uh, just one team because he played for five. He had seven years with the Royals, seven years with the Mets, and then, of course, you know, winning a ring uh, with the Astros. He has some short tenures with the, the Giants and the Cardinals in between. So what cap do you see on that Hall of Fame plaque for Carlos Beltran one day?
1: Oh, uh, that's a really toughie. Uh, I wish I had some inside information for you, Matt, but I just don't. Uh, I mean, uh, who knows what goes through the minds of the guys. I mean, he got his, he got his start here. Uh, there's certainly a has been here. And, and, you know, interesting, about three or four years ago, uh, there was a lot of talk about him coming back to Kansas City, and I know he really wanted to, and uh, they just couldn't make the numbers work. But um, you know, he even, even visited here uh, during that winter. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked if, if he wanted to go in as, as a Royal.
0: Yeah, I think that would please a lot of people, as of course he spent the first uh, seven years of his career uh, in Kansas City, and uh, I guess that's one. You, you kind of answered this already, but that was one thing I always wondered if uh, if he departed Kansas City on bad terms, that there was any you know bad blood or ill will, or was it you know pretty much a thing where like you said, he always kind of wanted to come back. So so I guess you know is that how Royals fans kind of regard him as, as maybe one that got away a little bit.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that was a different period of Royals baseball uh, back in the early 2000s. Um, You know, they were hurting financially. Uh, Ownership had just over the new ownership in the Glass family. And, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of solid direction in terms of where the team was going. And and they had a lot of great offensive young players. Uh, You're talking about Mike Sweeney and. And uh, Miranda and Damon and, and Beltron and Jermaine Dye, I mean, they, they, they hit a lot then. But I think everybody in their back of their mind knew as a small market team that they weren't going to be able to keep these guys, and they had to get as much as they could for them. Um, and, you know, they maybe not got as much as for some of those guys that they were also had to hope for. But, um, you know, it's uh, just one of those things where uh, – it was inevitable that he was going to have to leave, and I don't think there was any hard feelings uh, on either side.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, certainly good to know as uh, that decision will one, down, uh, won't one day come down as to what cap he wears when being inducted uh, into Cooperstown. Uh, certainly time will tell. And, uh, Jeffrey, uh, as you just brought up, another one of the names uh, as, you know, Beltron was emerging as a, as a superstar in his early years with the Royals, uh, that of Johnny Damon. He, of course, is on the uh, 2018 Hall of Fame ballot along with uh, some other Notable names on there, uh, Chipper Jones, Omar Omar Vizquel, Jim Tomei, among those. And I think most people agree that, you know, Johnny would be a long shot, at least, uh, you know, for this year's ballot. But here's a number I want to kind of throw at you and the Royals fans that I found very interesting. Only 11 players in baseball history have 200 career home runs and 400 career stolen bases. Johnny Damon is one of those 11. That's some pretty exclusive company, uh, some Hall of Famers, including Joe Morgan, Paul Molitor, Robin Yount, uh, on that list. So, uh, you know, again, no small feat to be in a group like that. Could you one day see Johnny Damon getting inducted into the Hall?
1: Possibly. I, I, I agree with you. It, it's it's an interesting case. I mean, it, it's when you look at it right off the bat, it, it looks like it's marginal. You know, um, then you look deep from the numbers, over 2,700 hits, I think he had. And you mentioned the stolen bases to me. Pop out the home, um, good on base guy, not a great defender, not a great arm. But no. uh, I always look at you know when I turn in my Hall of Fame ballot this year, I always look at did that guy dominate the game uh, for a certain period of time, whether it's three years, five years, eight years, whatever? Was he the dominant force? And you know that's a question I'll have to you know ask myself and think about you know when I turn in my ballot this year about Johnny Damon and. Uh, maybe someday uh, he gets in. I, like I, like I said, I, I think it's definitely a long shot this year.
0: Yeah, I, I certainly agree. But uh, you know, like you said, when you look at the entire body of work, some things definitely jump out that maybe at first glance they don't quite catch your eye. But when you really yeah. look at the the entire scope, the entire ball of wax, you say to yourself, you know what? uh, you know, this, this guy might have a chance. And one thing I want to ask you, it's, you know, you can ask, uh, 10 different writers, their opinions on hall of fame credentials and candidates candidacies, and you'll get 10 different answers. But the answer I want to get, obviously is yours on this Johnny Damon, obviously a two-time world champion, 2004 with the Red Sox, 2009 with the Yankees. And yes, you know, he was one of 25 guys, but when you look at a resume, do those things really jump out in, in terms of, uh, you know, it, obviously this is an individual honor, but when you've got the two rings and with two franchises like the Red Sox and Yankees no less, could that boost his chances even a little bit?
1: I, I think anybody, any voter, including myself, who said they don't, is probably lying because postseason, you know, does matter to me. I mean, whether it's subconscious or not, I mean, it just does. Um, and, you know, he, he, he was on those championship teams now. I will say that it's not like, uh, you know, there were rags to riches stories with the Yankees and Red Sox. So uh, he had a lot of uh, a big payroll around him too. Um, but uh, I, I, with with a guy like that, you know, in the back of your mind, you you might think of that. But you certainly you're going to look at his regular season stats first.
0: Yeah, and uh, that usually is the one that uh, tells the tale. But uh, like like you said, anybody that says that the rings don't matter. Probably lying through their teeth, uh, so <laughs> we'll see if someday that uh, does give Johnny Damon a bit of a nudge for his chances uh, to get into Cooperstown. And uh, Jeffrey, as we come down the home stretch here, of course, this is uh, not news, but the trio of uh, Eric Hosmer, Mike Boustakis, and Lorenzo Kane, each expectedly turning down uh, their qualifying offers from the Royals for the 2018 oh. season. They're all now uh, free agents, so. I guess when you look at the three, you know, there's been chatter that you know they're likely out the door, but there's a possibility that maybe one guy could come back on a multi-year deal. Could you see that happening with any one of these three, or are they in your mind as good as gone?
1: Well, I, 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 the more this goes on, I, I start to think they're probably good as gone. But if there's one guy, and I've been saying this for uh, since last spring training, if there's one guy they're going to go after and charge after, it's going to be Eric Hosmer. And I just don't, we still don't know what the market is for him. We don't know what the Yankees interest, the Red Sox, whoever, whatever big market team can come in and, you know, outbid the Royals. Um, We just, uh, I will say this much though, too. If they don't get him, I really don't see them making a strong effort at anybody else. I think uh, Eric Hosmer is the type of guy that as they go through this transition and rebuild that he's the perfect guy to have in the clubhouse for five or seven years to help young guys. Uh, learn the game of baseball and learn how to conduct themselves you know, inside the clubhouse and on the field. Uh, just he's, he's the perfect teammate. He's, he's really, for this market, he's probably the perfect player, but I just don't know if they can afford him. And if they can't, um, I, I think they pitch it and go with a total rebuild. And it's going to be painful uh, for fans around here, but I think it's probably necessary. Uh, they made a great effort. Uh, management did all they could. Ownership did all they could last year to let this group have one more run um, they beefed up the team at the, at the uh, trade deadline. Uh, it didn't pan out. They, they faded down the stretch. So I think ownership and management is looking more and more like, hey, uh, let's look to the future. Let's give many draft picks as we can. Let's restock the farm system, um, take our lumps for the next two or three years and be competitive again down the road.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great point, and uh, you know, as painful as it uh, potentially is for fan bases to go through this process, uh, as the old saying goes, "flags fly forever," and not every team has those, and the and the Royals certainly do. High above Kauffman Stadium, that reads a 2015 World Champs, and that is certainly something like I said that not every team has. Um, Jeffrey, in terms of these three guys, you know, they all bring such uh, distinctive skill sets uh, to the Royals that they have uh, for the past couple years. Who's going to be the toughest to replace?
1: Um, I I think they've got backups for for Moustakis at third and Chester Cuthbert. Paulo Orlando um, could step in at center. Uh, They do have a couple of center fielders in the system. Uh, I I still think, um, and I know people are going to disagree with this, I think the hardest guy to replace is going to be Eric Hosmer, not just for what he does on the field, not just for his stats, but um, what he does in the community, in the clubhouse, what he means as a teammate. Uh, I I don't think you can replace that. And, uh, you know, you can get – you can fill in Brandon Moss or Hunter Dozier as a prospect. Uh, You're going to get a drop-off in in offensive numbers, obviously a big drop-off in defense. But I, I just think you can't replace him in the clubhouse, and that's where they're going to miss him most.
0: Yeah, the intangibles are so huge, and uh, that's what Hosmer has proved uh, for so many years. In addition to the bat and the gold glove work at first base, uh, he's going to be quite a get for another team. Unfortunately, it does not appear as if that team is going to be the Royals in uh, 2018. So, Jeffrey, as we uh, wrap up here, i got to get your Thanksgiving plans. Are you staying? Are you leaving? And I guess – what is yeah? You know, everybody loves the turkey and the stuffing. That's obvious. But in terms of a Thanksgiving fixin', a side dish, uh, what what is uh, your favorite one? Oh gosh,
1: I I never have it during the rest of the year. So just. Creamy mashed potatoes oh,
0: drive yeah. crazy. Yeah, mashed potatoes are the way to go. I'm, I'm sure that's on a lot of people's list, and uh, hopefully you uh, get your fill of those uh, tomorrow, along <laughs> with all the other uh, dishes on the table. Also, Jeffrey, uh, to you and to the Royals fans, a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, we will do this again soon for sure. Uh, thank you so much, as always, for the time. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Kansas City Royals.